0: This is an ABC podcast.
1: Melissa Redsell was 16 years old and starting year 12 when her GP congratulated her. She was going to have a baby. When Mel went to her parents with the news that she was pregnant, they told her she'd ruined her life. At school, the principal warned her not to expect any special treatment. Mel finished school when she was seven months pregnant and a little while later, her beautiful baby girl, Brianna, was born. Mel was living in a share house, and while all her friends were out partying, she was in the thick of sleepless nights and nappy changes. It felt like the world had given up on her. But when her daughter was 10 months old, Mel decided to make a big change, and to prove the world wrong. Earlier this year, she and Brianna, now all grown up, travelled to Canberra together because Mel was named 2023 Queensland Australian of the Year Local Hero in recognition of the work she does with her charity, A Brave Life. Hi, Mel. Hi, thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. Tell me about the street you grew up on as a kid in Townsville.
0: What was it like? It was a typical street um, with lots of um, kids playing in the street, I guess. Um, I love the street that I grew up on because everybody sort of knew everybody. We could stand on our balconies and call each other's names. Really? And that's how you'd meet up with your mates? Yeah. Well, we didn't have mobile phones back then. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the telephone was um, on the wall. But yeah, we had this big veranda at the front of my house and we were sort of in a crescent and um, yeah, you just sort of stand on the balcony and you'd call out to your friends and it it was so much fun because you could just sort of ride up and down. We would spend hours riding our bikes up and down the street and to the local shops. How do you think your family of
1: three kids and, and your mum and dad looked from the outside?
0: We looked like a very typical family. You know, I had two siblings, so three kids, parents, um, we had a dog. Yeah, we just looked like an everyday family. And what was going on behind the scenes? Yeah, so I grew up in a really dysfunctional family. I didn't know what it was until like years later, until I was a lot older, but it was It was very dysfunctional. There was, you know, a lot of chaos in the house. Things would get broken. Um, If there wasn't chaos, there was a lot of silence. And, you know, I don't really remember, you know, I was a happy kid in general, I guess, just being a kid. But I always knew that something wasn't quite right. So as a kid, were you seeing violence at home between your mum and dad? Not so much the physical violence to each other, but there was a lot of, um, I guess, emotional stuff going on and things being broken. So, yeah, And looking back now as an adult, you know, obviously I grew up in a home with domestic violence, um, but not knowing at the time what that actually was. Just feeling that tension and, and stress in the air. Oh, constant tension, constant stress. Um, I don't remember you know, being on family holidays that were ever happy and things that something didn't go on. And then, you know, the family holidays were abruptly ended and, and stuff like that.
1: What did your mum tell you one night, wake you up and tell you?
0: I can't even remember exactly what age I was. I would have probably been under the age of 10, maybe. But um, I remember being woken up in the middle of the night saying, we have to go, like, we just have to go. And, being told to gather some of my stuff. I was <laughs> I was um, a kid that liked to have everything neat and tidy and I loved little figurines and all my toys and have them lined up. And I remember trying to grab what I could and, yeah, we ended up in a safe house. And what was that like? Yeah, it was really traumatic. Like I just remember thinking, why are we here and what are we doing here? Like I don't understand this and just being in this foreign place and it wasn't very nice and wanting to get back home to my house. I grew up in the same home. I lived in the same home since I was born. And I just want to go home. And what
1: about the day that your mum left the marriage for good? What do you remember about that? Mm,
0: I remember that. Yeah, I remember that day very clearly, like, you know, packing up the house and um, my dad not being there. And it was sort of like, you know, quickly, we have to get this done. We have to get out of the house. And And thinking, oh, my gosh, I don't actually, I just couldn't even understand what was going on. And I think my little brain was like, I don't want to go. I want to stay. This is my house. But knowing that, I guess we had to go. So but when you I think you're a child or you're 10, you're 12 or even younger, you don't actually have the comprehension of what's actually going on with your parents other than knowing something's really not right. How important was
1: your own space, your bedroom to you in the midst of all that kind of quite chaotic family life?
0: Like I said, I love my bedroom um, with all my toys and wanting, it was a, like a lilac colored purple on the walls. And I was really fortunate that being the only girl, I didn't have to share a bedroom. <laughs> so that's even a bonus. Like my brothers, I have two younger brothers and they had to share and, and just, I like loved my room. And, and I guess for me, it was that sanctuary. Like I could go into my room and and know this was my space. So, And growing up in a home, you know, where you'd been born and then grew up in it and then having to leave it was really hard. And leaving your friends in the street, like I said, we spent a lot of time riding our bikes and playing with our friends.
1: After your parents had split up, did you still see your dad?
0: Yeah, so we would um, go back and forth, um, you know, between mum and dad. So your, your typical kids that come from a divorced home. Did they seem happier
1: after they separated? If it hadn't been a good marriage, sometimes the next phase feels better for the kids.
0: Uh, I wouldn't say it was happier. I still remember it just being a very sad time. I think, you know, just sort of seeing what your parents are going through and, and realising that they're sad and you can't fix it and then wondering, did I do something? Because, you know, I think kids from divorce or parents that separate, sometimes you wonder could I have done something better or different, to, you know, so that my family wasn't split in two? What about about high school for you,
1: Mel, by the time that came along? How did you fit in that world? (laughs) I always felt like
0: a bit of a dork at high school. (laughs) I always say I wasn't like... I wasn't overly popular at school and um, I remember the start of year nine I was like oh, I'm gonna cut my hair really short and perm my fringe and it was like great the, choice it was the <laughs> worst haircut and I was like thought I was just so cool and rocked up to year nine and like year is like the worst year that you could possibly do anything and um thinking oh my gosh I look so bad <laughs> but I'm like you know but then I thought I was cool so I was a typical 13 14 year old but I guess really just wanting to fit in. I think growing up in chaos as a child and and just wanting to be at high school and it being a new chapter and wanting to just fit in with my friends and what, peers. What about boys? How confident were you around boys as a teenager? Not confident at all. <laughs> like I said, I wasn't very popular. <laughs> so yeah, no, I wasn't I didn't wasn't very confident with boys or, you know, I didn't have a boyfriend at the high school that I was attending. So,
1: who did you meet when you were fifteen? Who who changed the way you felt about boys?
0: Yeah, I met a guy called Jack, and he was the first guy that I sort of met and was really interested in. And I just remember thinking he was a couple of years older than I was, and wasn't at the school that I was at. And I just remember thinking, oh wow, this someone's actually paying me attention. You know, like I said, I didn't have boyfriends at the high school I was attending, so meeting him, I guess, yeah, made me kind of feel special and didn't feel so dorky. Emotions can be so big at
1: 15. Did you fall pretty hard for him?
0: Yes, definitely. Hook, line and sinker, I say to people. I think especially, yeah, when you're 15, like you said, you meet a guy or a girl or, you know, either way and you're just that attraction and being a teenager, you think that's your whole world. So at 16, Mel,
1: what What was happening with you physically that thought, I'm going to go and pay a visit to the GP?
0: Yeah, so I had been seeing Jack for a while. Um, Obviously, I thought it was quite serious, but it was a little bit on and off, I guess, on his part. I was just starting year 12. I was 16. Um, I'd been sick and thought that maybe I had a vomiting bug, so I sort of couldn't keep anything down. So I just went off to the GP really naively, really thinking Oh there must just be something I must have a bug or something like that and And what did they ask you to do the GP? Yes, the GP is like, "Oh, you know, asked about my symptoms and then said, "Oh, let's do a urine test um let's see if you um want to check to make sure you're not pregnant." And I'm thinking, "Well, there's no way I'm possibly pregnant. I was on the pill. I thought I was doing all the right things, so I thought there's no way that I could possibly be pregnant." And what
1: did that doctor say when he looked at the results?
0: Yeah, I'll never forget those words. And uh, all these years later, the doctor said to me, congratulations, you're going to be a mother. And I felt like the floor could just literally open up at any second and just swallow me into it. What, what do you remember going through your head in that moment? Completely shocked to hear that news. Complete shock and just... I guess stunned, I guess would be the best word to put it. Like lots of things are racing through your mind at that time. I'm like, what do you mean? Congratulations. I'm going to be a mother. I'm like, I, my biggest decision was what I was going to eat for breakfast and uh, what clothes I was going to wear on the weekend if I went and hung out with my friends. And, and I just remember thinking, I don't, I can't be anybody's mother. I'm literally 16 years old. And, and did the GP give you any
1: options or, or support? What did they say for the next step for you?
0: Yes, the GP gave me a lot of brochures, I do remember. My cousin was out in the waiting room, so she had come with me to the GP and I just remember being handed all these brochures and the GP saying, oh, you just let us know what you want to do with your pregnancy. And I was like, I don't actually, what do you mean do with my pregnancy? I think I didn't even understand that. What were my options when it came to being pregnant at 16. Who did you
1: tell first after your cousin who was there with you? Who did you confide in?
0: Yeah, so we went and saw Jack after I found out that I was pregnant, the GP. So he he obviously was the first person that after my cousin that I told. And how did that conversation go? He was really shocked as well. And I think he wasn't expecting that conversation and... Again, there was lots of questions back to me like, well, what are you going to do with the pregnancy? And I'm thinking, okay, yeah, what am I going to do? I don't actually know. Like I felt like those first sort of days or the day and the days after, there was a lot of questions about what are you going to do? You know, what are you going to keep the baby? Are going to end the pregnancy? Are going to give the baby up for adoption? And I'm thinking, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. Had your parents
1: known that you were sleeping with Jack, that you had that kind of relationship?
0: No, I don't think so because I bounced between two homes. So um, my parents were sort of very busy living their own lives with stuff going on. So, you know, I sort of was left to my own a lot as a teenager. And, yeah, I was like in between living at mum's and then I ended up back at my dad's. Were you scared about telling them, Mel? Oh, 100%. I was so scared. Petrified. I think, you know... Telling Jack was a lot easier than telling my parents, I think, just not wanting to let them down. And I remember my mum saying to me, you know, you don't have sex until you're married. So and I remember that playing over and over in my head thinking, how am I going to tell her that I'm actually pregnant? How did they react? Yes, yeah, so I told my dad first because I was living with my dad. And my, I remember my dad being, he was upset and he he, I guess, was shocked as well and, Again, it was that question, what are you going to do with the pregnancy? And, um, you know, Dad sort of said, depending on what, you know, you want to do, I can help you if you want to um, have a termination, you know, we can get that sorted. Or um, And, again, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that. I think my head was still swimming with the reality of being pregnant. What about your mum? Yeah, I told my mum over the phone. <laughs> I was still a little bit more scared to tell my mum in person, which is really weird. I don't know why, but um, I remember ringing her and telling her and just crying and she was crying and we were both crying and... Was uh, she
1: angry? Yeah. Yeah, they were, they were angry. Oh, Mel, it must have been such a hard time. And as you say, everyone's asking you what you're going to do. How did you reach a decision about that? How did you choose what to do?
0: Yeah, I felt really overwhelmed um, with that. Like my mum, you know, her thing was I had cousins that had been adopted. So, you know, you could put the baby up for adoption. And um yeah, so I ended up speaking with another cousin of mine because I was really, oh, I just felt bombarded by what am I going to do? And I didn't know what I wanted to do really. But I think I just needed somebody to sit down with me and sort of look me straight and say, okay, these are your options, but what is it that you really want to do? And what are you comfortable doing? I think we can't make that decision for people. We actually have to let young women and guys come to that decision on their own. And, um, I decided that I, the option for me was to continue with the pregnancy.
1: Do you remember the moment that you decided that? Was it a a realisation or how did you come to that momentous yeah. decision?
0: Yeah, that I do remember that and I do remember talking with my cousin and she just said, what is it that you really want to do? Um, regardless of what everyone's saying that you should do, what is it that you really want to do? And, um, yeah, that's when I went, yeah, I think for me the best option is to continue with the pregnancy. So, you were living, as
1: you say, between your mum's place and, and she had a new relationship and your dad's place.
0: Where did your mum suggest that you might stay during the rest of your pregnancy? So I was living with my dad and it was um, my dad travelled a lot for work and I had two younger brothers there and I was trying to finish high school, like I was in year 12. Um, I had really bad morning sickness and feeling really overwhelmed trying to complete school, you know, be pregnant, go to appointments and... I wanted to go back home to mum's because I thought, well, maybe it'll be quieter there. Like, at least I can get a bit of a break. And yeah, I don't think that was the greatest option on that side. So there was a suggestion that I go and live at a home for teen mums. This
1: sounds like something out of 1950s Ireland. Mel, I didn't know places like that existed in, in the 1990s. Did did you go and check it out? Or, yeah. And what was it like?
0: Yeah, I didn't even know it existed either. I couldn't tell you the name of the place. I just remember being taken there to see this place. It was a long way from my high school. So I'm, in my head I'm thinking, well, how am I going to get there? I don't have a licence. I'm not driving. I don't have a car. Who's going to take me to I think you did school. Like you must have done some education there. Um, it was a little bit out of town and um, it was a home, like in, in, in it was a home with other pregnant teenage girls and mothers. And I remember thinking and walking in going, I'm not staying here. There's just no way I'm going to live here. I said to mum, I'm just going to live, I'll just stay at dad's because that would be the easier option. And um, yes, no I was going to live in a home for pregnant teens. So as you say, you're doing grade 12. How did your, your classmates find
1: out that? you were pregnant?
0: Bit of a funny story. (laughs) Uh, Obviously my closest friends knew that I was pregnant and um, yeah, I remember being in biology, funniest of all subjects. And um, some boys were teasing me about being sick and stuff like that. And I don't even remember exactly what sort of, we must have just been talking or they were saying stuff. And I said something about, oh, I'm well, I'm pregnant, I think, because I kept to keep leaving class to go vomit because of the morning sickness. <laughs> and I'm thinking people must think I have a problem with going to the bathroom. And um, I blurted out and I didn't want to because I wasn't obviously showing much. And, um, yeah, I just remember them laughing. Going, There's no way you could be pregnant. You don't even have a boyfriend at the school. And, and I just remember being really embarrassed of turning bright red. What about the, the leaders of the school, the principal? Didn't take long before word spread that I was uh, pregnant. It's a little bit like a like a fire spreads really, really quickly if someone's pregnant at school. And I remember being called into the principal's office and being really nervous about. I'd never been into the principal's office. I wasn't a kid that got in trouble at school or did anything bad at school. And I just remember him saying to me, um, "You're not going to get any special treatment because you're pregnant." Well, no, no support from us, basically. <laughs> Yeah, like it's you have to turn your assignments in. You're going to have to do your schoolwork. You know, it was like, and he didn't say it, but, you know, it's that notion. You've got yourself in this situation and so don't think you're going to, you know, get any special treatment. That's such a a pressure on a, a teenager. Did you consider dropping out? Oh, plenty of times. I remember there were mornings where I had, because I had morning sickness the whole pregnancy and I remember being so sick and thinking, I don't think I can go to school and do this. But I think for me school was a bit of a safe space, even though I had that, you know, stuff with the principal and my friends. For me, it was a routine. I knew where I was going every day. So I think when you grow up in a lot of chaos, when you've got something sort of stable going on, that's where I would go and I knew I had friends there.
1: There's all the logistics of managing your body when you're pregnant as well. Like what happened with your uniform as as the baby grew?
0: Yes, I didn't fit uniform. So my auntie would make me maternity shorts and stuff like that. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm just standing out even more and more. And, you know, you'd be walking up and down the the corridors of the school and you it's not that you would hear exactly what people were saying, but you could tell they were like, oh, talking about you. Because once you get on with your pregnancy and you're you're really showing, so then you're not fitting in your school skirts. and So much courage to walk those halls, I think, Mel. So much courage. Were (laughs) any of the teachers sympathetic? Yeah, I had a really great English teacher and I remember him saying to me, oh, well, we had English oral presentations. And what kid likes doing an oral presentation? I haven't met one that likes to stand up in front of their class and, and give an oral presentation. And um, I just remember thinking, well, I'm going to fail this subject because there's just no way. I was heavily pregnant. I'm like, it was one of my final exams. I thought, oh, there's no way I'm standing up in front of the class. It's bad enough walking around the school and then having to stand up. And he said to me, why don't you come back at lunchtime with your friend and you know, do your oral presentation, just him and my friend in the classroom. So I just remember that because, you know, there's one little things of kindness, like, you know, they, he didn't have to do anything special for me, but it's those one things that just stand out. What about the
1: other milestones that that happen in high school, like your formal? Did you get to go to your
0: formal? Yeah, I did go to my formal and um, I was really... That was one thing I struggled with when I found I was pregnant because I think most girls thinking about their formal in year 12 and and the guys like you're just thinking about that end of year celebration and as a girl you think about what dress am I going to wear and you know I wanted a bright red dress that was really fitted and (laughs) had in my head a vision of what my formal dress would look like well my formal dress looked nothing like it my auntie made it again (laughs) very good auntie that would sew things and it just not being anything like what I wanted and I was worried that Um, no one would take me to the formal because I'm like, well, who's going to ask a pregnant girl? And there was one really nice boy in my school and he asked me, and I just remember going to his house and his mum taking photos of us and and it was no big deal that I was pregnant. So it's those little things that really... You
1: were still a normal person. You
0: were still a person just who, who was pregnant. Yep.
1: You did manage to, to graduate. Congratulations. Thank you. When you were seven months pregnant. Tell me about the ceremony.
0: Yeah, the ceremony is really, really funny. Um, <laughs> again, I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to walk up and across the stage and and um, receive my high school certificate. And I had on this, I was heavily pregnant and another dress that made me feel like I was wearing a tent. And um, they we had to tell them before we went up there what we wanted to do when we finished high school and I actually had no idea. I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll probably go to uni or go to work or do something. I, I wasn't the kid that sort of was like, oh, this is what I want to do. When I'm... Well, I suppose maybe I thought about stuff, but then when I fell pregnant that all sort of went out the window and I had said, oh, maybe I'll be um, at work in childcare. And I just remember walking up on stage and they said, is going to go work in childcare. And the whole room erupting in laughter. Because I'm like, okay, what have I missed? And then I put the two and two together. I'm like, okay, well, that just sounds really bad, doesn't it? You say it's funny, a funny
1: story, but, God, that must have been awful.
0: Yeah, I couldn't wait to go off that stage. And, uh, and I, I remember the principal handing me my high school certificate and um, I felt like saying, well, see, I didn't really need any special treatment. <laughs> How prepared were you for
1: what labour? would be like once those nine months came around?
0: Yeah, I don't think anything can prepare you for labour. Um, <laughs> I think it's one of those things. I remember going to childbirth classes. That's one thing I did attend and thinking, oh, I'm not going to do anything of what they've got going on there. They can just put me to sleep and wake me up when it's all over. That's what they can do. Um, but, yeah, I remember when I first went into labour thinking, oh, I'm just dying here. Why? Like I'm literally not going to make it. This can't be what's meant to happen. No. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's certainly, and when you're young and you're scared and, yeah, you can go to childbirth classes, but I don't think anything prepares you for those first waves of contractions that hit you. Did you have anyone with you, like your mum or a friend, when you gave birth? Yeah, so my mum, I was living, I did end up living back at home with mum before I had my daughter, and so my mum came with me, So, which was really good.
1: And what do you remember about holding your, your baby for the first time?
0: I was really fortunate. I had a really quick labour. Um, I had a four-hour labour, uh, which is a, is amazing, um, looking back now. And um, I remember begging for an epidural and they were like, you know, you know the doctor's busy, just going to have to wait. And um, before I knew it, Brianna was here. And it was just um, I remember looking at this baby thinking, oh, my gosh, now what do I do with her? <laughs> and thinking she's so gorgeous, but I was like, oh, my gosh, what? Like now this is the actual reality. When they hand you this baby and they give it to you and and you are solely responsible for it. You're listening to
1: Conversations with Sarah Konoski. Hear more Conversations anytime on the ABC Listen app. Or go to abc.net.au slash conversations. you think back to those first weeks with Brianna what images come to mind what stands out
0: oh chaos (laughs) sleep deprivation uh nappies I did cloth nappies washing nappies lots of those things and yeah just being really overwhelmed with a baby but this is actually my new reality was were there people around to help like was Jack on the scene at that point No. So Jack and I had a really um, unhealthy relationship. I think when you go from um, growing up in a home that's quite dysfunctional, I ended up in a very unhealthy relationship with him. So he wasn't around. Um, I think from when I was sort of mid-pregnant, it just wasn't sort of healthy for me to be in a relationship with him at that time. So
1: what about support from from other family. I mean, I guess people come and visit at the hospital, they're excited to meet a new baby. Does that translate to to help at home with washing and cooking and all of that stuff?
0: No. So, yeah, everyone wants to meet the baby when you're at the hospital. Like it was like a novelty. I remember all my school friends coming and getting lots of flowers and presents and cards and then you go home and you're like left with this newborn baby. And my mum worked full time so she could do what she could at the time. And just sort of being left at home and thinking, "Wow, like this is this is very different to I guess the life I had imagined." But at the same time, I had to remind myself that this was a choice that I had made.
1: Why didn't you decide to move out when Brianna was just six weeks
0: or so? Given how overwhelming it was to be a single mum, my mum had remarried, and um, it wasn't sort of a comfortable environment for me to be in any longer. So. Um, I wanted to move out and decided that that would be best for Brianna and I and moved in with some friends. I had a girlfriend from school move in with me and another girlfriend later on. So, yeah, living at the age of 17 with a six-week-old baby with friends. How did you furnish your place? Yeah, it's really funny. We had an outdoor table for our kitchen table, a dining table. I still remember that, outdoor table dining table and a two-seater couch and thinking oh wow well, we've made it <laughs> we've got some furniture and you know our basic essentials like a bed and a cot and but know, I fridge. guess that
1: the friends you were living with were living a teenage that more typical teenage life of going out having finished school
0: you know being young being free that must have been hard to watch for you very hard. I Watching your friends sort of come and go. I think in the beginning everybody was, you know, oh, we'll stay home and we'll hang out with you and really sort of consider it. But I guess then they want to go off and be teenagers. They want to. And I remember them one day two of my friends were like, oh, you're going to go to the movies, do you want to come? And I'm like, okay, I can't come because I have a baby. It was really hard watching them. And then I really struggled with I want to be a teenager. I didn't turn 18 until she was seven months old. Um, so in my head I was like half of me wants to be a teenager and the other half of me I have to be a stay-at-home mum or be at home with my daughter and I did try to live a bit of a double life and it sort of backfired on me a bit. I was trying to go out and have fun with my friends and then realising no that's not working because I actually have to come home and look after a baby and do all those things and be responsible and I think she was about 10 months old and I just felt like my world was spiralling out of control again and I realised that I didn't want to live the life that I'd lived as a child. I think that was a big thing for me. There was a lot of chaos and there was a lot of chaos currently going on and I just remember looking at my daughter and, you know, she's the cutest thing, biggest brown eyes and curly hair and thinking, you know, she actually deserves better. She really does deserve better. So what did you do? Yeah, so I called up the local university because I was like, what am I going to do with my life? Like she's 10 months old. Um, I finished school. I've gotten through those first 10 months of with a newborn and then a, you know, baby um, and come to that realisation that I'm actually not a regular teenager anymore. That's been, that's gone. I'm never getting going to get that back. So I called up the local university because I'd finished high school. I didn't, you know, I wasn't an A plus student, but I'd gotten through high school and I called up and I said to the guy, hi, I'd like to go to university. What can I do? And how did they react? He was really lovely on the phone. He goes, oh, what would you like to do? And I said, I don't know. I have no idea. What can I do? And he goes, well, you could become a registered nurse. And I said, okay, no worries. Sign me up. decision made. Decision made. And he signed <laughs> me up as a mature age student because I was over the, I, I had turned 18. And I'm thinking, I don't think I'm very mature, but anyway. <laughs> what about your family? What did they think of this, this new plan? Oh, they were shocked. Yeah. Everybody was shocked. <laughs> I think I shocked myself. Um, well, first of all, calling the university. I was the first person in my family to even enroll in university. Um, so they were shocked when, you know, what do you mean you're going to go and become a registered nurse? I did not even know what nurses actually did other than what I'd seen in the hospital when I had Brianna. How did you get to university on your first day? So I didn't have a car. Um, I couldn't afford a car. Um, So I would have to catch a bus to get to university. So I'd catch two buses. So I enrolled Brianna into family daycare. I was living at a home, living with friends. My parents were busy Um, with their jobs and lives. And yeah, so I had to catch buses to get to university. And how big an
1: adjustment was the study? As you say, you know, your family hadn't gone to university. Were you prepared for the sort of work that you had to do?
0: No, not at all. I I think because I just went into it so blindly and thinking, oh, well, this will be like high school, you know. Like I said, I wasn't an A plus student, but I managed to pass all my subjects. And so I just assumed university was going to be like that. So I remember feeling I felt very overwhelmed. I walked into and James Cook University in Townsville. It's just a beautiful campus. It wasn't a big campus back then, and I just remember seeing these sort of bigger buildings though and thinking, "Oh, wow, well, I can't believe I'm actually here and trying to figure out where what classes do I need to go to?" And then realizing that when I came home, I still had I had a baby, a toddler to look after and trying to navigate the study. You didn't
1: Pass everything the
0: first year. Well, like I said, I thought it was like high school, and um, I failed first year, uh, first semester science. So I just thought it was like high school that you just studied the night before (laughs) a whole semester. Be fine. (laughs) I'll be fine. Like seriously, just that's what I did in high school. So of course I'm gonna be like, oh well. I was busy. Like I'd go to uni, then I'd come home, look after a baby, and then try to do some study. But I think I hadn't even got into that mindset of what university life actually looks like. And I remember going into that exam and I remember the first question thinking, oh, there's no way, there's no way I'm going to pass this. So I failed that miserably and the university said to me, you actually can't go on to do second year science and or some of the second year nursing subjects unless you you actually have to repeat first year science and pass it to be able to continue.
1: So I guess that's another point where someone might have dropped out Have just thought, this is too hard, I can't do both. How did you get over that obstacle?
0: Yeah, I remember feeling very devastated at failing and I guess for me it was that pressure that I felt from people, like, you know, when people sort of said to me, you'd ruin your life, you'll never amount to anything. I was like, well, if I drop out now, that's just going to prove to them that, you know, I actually have ruined my life. I can't actually be somebody's mother at 17. And I, I guess for me, I felt like then I'd be letting Brianna down as well. So I didn't want to let her down and I didn't want to let myself down, but I also want to prove to everybody. <laughs> so I kind of had a bit of a I'll show you kind of attitude. could be a good motivator. Yeah, I think it was, it was a great motivator <laughs> for me because um, it sort of kept me going. And I was really fortunate that when I did enrol in university, I met three amazing young women and one of them failed as well. So I was like, okay, well, that's okay. If she's failing, that's all right. We're just going to fail and we'll repeat this together. And they have remained my friends um, and I am still in contact with them today. Yep. You'd been catching the bus, as you say, to, to drop Brianna off and then to get out
1: to university. How big a deal was it the day that you got your driver's licence?
0: Oh, I remember being so excited when I got my driver's licence. So I didn't have anyone to teach me how to drive and I was going to university and working a part-time job. Um, because I needed the money to pay for those extra things like driving lessons. And I think I actually ended up having extra driving lessons. I really liked my driving instructor and her and I would just like (laughs) spend the time talking. And I do remember when I got my licence, I remember thinking, yes, I'm free. I can finally... um, get a car, and I had to save up for a car. Where did you get your first car from? Yeah, so a friend of mine's mum was selling her car. So it was a 1975 Toyota Corolla. Classic. A classic. classic. And it it had uh, more rust and stuff than you could poke a stick at. But I just remember it cost me like $400, and I'd saved this $400, <laughs> and I was so excited. I was like, I'm going to buy my first car. and um, But it needed a little bit of work. It was like a weird greeny colour and I was like, I want a really nice soft yellow. Anyway, a friend painted it and let's just say it was not a soft yellow. It was safety yellow, like the road signs. (laughs) It was the brightest. I don't even know how it is. I say it looks like the road work safety signs. That's the yellow it was. So people definitely saw you coming. Yeah. I never lost my car in the car park at university. So, you know, and all my friends would drive up in their nice little cars and <laughs> I'd have my canary yellow 1975 crawler. but I was so proud of it because for me having that car, it meant freedom and I didn't have to catch buses and I could drive to university and I could go to my part-time job and Brianna and I could go wherever we wanted. So...
1: You had so much going on in your life, Mel, like the study and and being a mum and and your work. Was dating on your radar at all?
0: Not initially, no, because I was like, who's going to want to date a single teenage mother? You kind of have this perception when people say stuff to you. Am I somehow broken, not good enough? And so, yeah, I just didn't think. And I think being in a previous unhealthy relationship, I was a little bit nervous about that and obviously having my daughter, I didn't want to expose her to anything, but I um, did meet a nice guy through friends. Tell me about James. Yeah. So I met James, I was moving house. So I had moved out from the friends I'd been living with and a friend of mine had come over with some friends to help um, us move. And I remember seeing James and thinking, oh, he looks really nice. And um, we joke about this today. James, another guy, carried my fridge down the flight of stairs, lived upstairs and um, didn't take any of the food out of the fridge and eggs and stuff <laughs> were flying around. And we still laugh about that, you know, all these years later about how who doesn't take the food out of a fridge <laughs> when you move it? But I suppose back then we were all probably like 19 years old. And um, But, yeah, I met James and James was just a guy that was very different to what I'd known, what I'd grown up with, what I'd been in a previous relationship with and, and just a really nice guy. Was it a big decision for
1: him, do you think, to get involved with you, given that, you know, you were a package deal, you had Brianna as well?
0: Yeah, 100%, because James was the same age as um, I was. So I think we met when I was 19. So Brianna was about a year and a half old, and it was a huge de- decision for him because he he probably hadn't thought, I'm going to meet a girl who's got a child and take on that role of being a parent. So somebody, I think when you... Um, are a single parent, you know, it's a big decision to let people into your world, but it's also a big decision for them too. But I guess I was just really lucky when I met James, and uh, we've been married for 25 years this year. Was Brianna a part of the wedding day? She was, and she was so gorgeous. Yeah, she had a beautiful little dress on, and um, after the ceremony, James got down off the off the stage where we got married, and um, also put a ring on Brianna's finger. So we got married when she was three, and you know. She has got the biggest grin on her face when you look at photos of her from our wedding day. You were finishing your your nursing degree, Mel. What kind of setting did you want to work in? What part of, of nursing really drew you in? I really initially didn't know because I didn't even really, when, when I signed up to university, I actually really had no idea what registered nurses did, that there were like different fields that you could actually work in and... Um, You soon learn very quickly what areas you do and do not want to work in because they do put you through a lot of placements whilst you're at university. I remember my last placement was in the the emergency department and I loved it. At Townsville General Hospital, it was, you know, a big tertiary emergency department and I loved how busy it was and the people coming and going. And I'm thinking, yes, this is an area that I would love to work in. And I remember saying to the preceptor I had at the time, I'd really like to work here. And she said to me, oh, there's no way, Melissa, you will get a position here. She goes, we don't take new graduates straight from university. So another time when someone said you, no way, what happened? I applied. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, okay, well, I'll just put my application in. And, and then I got that call. It was late in, I think all my friends had already been offered positions and um, I remember them ringing me up and saying, you know, we actually would like to take you on. And they said to me, you are the third person in 10 years that we've only taken straight from university. How did it feel that first shift? It was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. I loved emergency nursing. A few years after that,
1: though, you you shifted specialties. What what do you decide to do after emergency nursing?
0: Yeah, so we moved from Townsville to Brisbane and I was still working as an emergency um, nurse. And um James and I obviously got married whilst I was in my last year of university. And then a few years after that, we had our son, Ben. And really in the back of my mind, I just remember when I was pregnant with Brianna and just being in that hospital and having the midwife sort of make sort of comments to me like, now this is your baby. It's not your mum's responsibility. And, you know, you have to take care of her. And again, feeling that judgment. Why are they talking to me like this? I understand I'm young. You don't have to keep pointing it out. So, When we moved to Brisbane, I decided that, you know what, I'm going to become a midwife. So off to university, I went.
1: More than 20 years after you'd left high school, what took you back to your old school in Townsville?
0: I had been doing some volunteer work with just some youth groups and organisations. Just um, I think I really wanted to give back to the community. And so had started volunteering and I ended up back in Townsville. To help out with this guest speaker that had come from America. He was a motivational speaker and worked with kids, you know, that had um, been involved with drugs and alcohol and all those kind of things. And yeah, I ended up back at my high school and it was so random. It was like 2015. and What was it like walking through the gates of that school? What came up for you? Oh, uh, it was so emotional. I actually had no idea like that I would be that emotional because it had been a long time since I'd left. And walking back in and I was a little bit oblivious, I think, first to, oh, we're going to my school. This is really cool and I can't wait to go check it out. But then I remember walking through the school and I started to tear up and I'm going past the tuck shop where I'd go to get my sausage roll and my chocolate milk when I was pregnant and where I would sit and they would play basketball. And I just remember crying and thinking, tears are welling up in my eyes and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I left this school pregnant. And I'm coming back. I'm coming the way back, I am. and I'm a registered nurse and uh, a midwife, and married, and have three kids, and I'd come a long way. That principal wasn't still there that you could go and knock so. on his door? No, no, I spoke to another principal, and you know, he definitely wasn't there, the other one. And <laughs> he had said to me, you know, a lot of kids is the lower socioeconomic area, and a lot of kids come from broken homes, and they, a lot of them don't finish school. So... I think for me that sort of reinforced that, wow, the fact that I actually graduated high school, seven months pregnant was amazing.
1: When you were working as a midwife, Mel, were you seeing other young mums that reminded you of yourself back at seventeen?
0: Yeah, so the longer I worked in it, I was seeing those young mums come into the maternity unit and being young and not having essentials that they needed for their baby, but also just hearing comments from other midwives, like sometimes people don't realise what they're saying, the little sly comments or that that slight judgement and thinking, wow, we, we haven't come a huge way, have we? We've come we've come a long way in some areas, but, you know, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done. And and seeing these young women that hadn't finished high school or didn't know what they were going to do. I suppose when you're pregnant, you're focused on having a baby. So, you know, you don't want people asking you, what are you going to do with your career? I mean, as you say, we like to think we've come a long way from judging women
1: from getting pregnant at whatever age. But what sort of things were you hearing? What assumptions are still made about young mums that you've encountered
0: yeah, the assumption is that, you know, they've done this to themselves. So it's kind of like um, you've made your bed, now you go lie on it kind of thing. So they that's still out there today. I've heard shocking comments said to me, things like, I um, hope you're teaching those girls to keep their legs closed. Um, I hope you're putting contraception in those um, baby bags that we give out. And this has all been in the last few years. So we are still saying these things to young women. And the young women are still being told they've, you know what are you doing having a child young? You're ruining your life.
1: When you had Brianna, how well equipped were you for all the just sort of necessities of looking after a baby? Like what did you have in the hospital with you when, when you had her? Yes,
0: yeah, so I didn't have a lot. I remember when I was pregnant, no one was going to hire me. I needed, I didn't have a part-time job and I didn't have any money really to buy things. And I was trying to scrape together what I could, um, but no one was going to hire a pregnant teenage girl and I was ironing clothes. So I was doing baskets and baskets of ironing in the middle of summer in Townsville, heavily pregnant, but I was like just so I could buy those essentials. So I really struggled with that. And then one day a friend of mine turned up to my house and she had a basket that someone had gifted her and in it was like nappies and wipes and handmade clothes and um, baby wash. And I just remember thinking oh, wow, that's so amazing. Like, why would somebody put something like that together and gift it to somebody they don't even know? So how did this all
1: come together in your head as you were working as a midwife? What idea did you come up with?
0: Yeah, so when I was working as as a midwife, I think going back to Townsville, I think, sort of showed me how far I'd come. And then working as a midwife and seeing these young mums turn up struggling, they were coming to hospital with those grey shopping plastic bags and they barely had the essentials for themselves, let alone for their newborn baby. And my heart, I guess, broke for them because, you know, they want to be just like the other mothers in the hospital. They want that nice nappy bag or they want to be able to pull that stuff out for their baby. Just like the mummy, you know, a lot of our public hospitals, the rooms are shared so people are seeing what other people have got. Um, So I just decided one day I was going to start putting together bags with brand new newborn essentials and started gifting them out to people. When you describe putting
1: together that bag of essentials for new mums, you know, there's the practical value, but it sounds like there's also so much symbolic value in saying, you know, you're just as important as any other mum in this hospital and just as worthy and your baby's just as worthy. What kind of reactions do you
0: get from young mums when you give them a beautiful bag full of, of things? Yeah, we get some beautiful messages back from young mums saying, you know, I have felt like my life was over and then I got handed this baby bag and um, you really made my day and you made me believe that I could be a good mum. And we just want to instill that sense of self-worth back into them to say, hey, you know what, we don't know your story, we don't know what you're going through, but we're just going to give you this so that you know that there are people out there that are championing you along and, yeah, just so that they feel valued and cared for. A lot of the times we don't see the women that get the bags. We work with social workers, um, young parent program coordinators, maternity hospitals, so we gift them via them so that they go directly to young mums in need Also, too, I was so passionate about education. Education literally changed the trajectory of my future. If I had not finished high school and then gone on to university to become a registered nurse, I don't think I'd be where I am today. So education was so powerful in my life that I wanted to be able to use my story just to share what I'd gone through, that journey, what it looked like, what life could look like in the future. How did you come up with the title for this charity, A Brave Life? Yeah, I remember sitting with Brianna and um, when I said, oh, let's, um, I want to do something. And I didn't actually set out to start a charity, but I just want to start something with gifting the bags. And we were just talking and um, we both liked the word brave and life. And then we were like, you know what? We've actually had to live a brave life. We've lived it. I've lived it from a very young age, like from when I was young, growing up in a dysfunctional home. And so that's how the name A Brave Life came about because we were like, well, this actually is really symbolic of actually our life, my life, Brianna's life. I had to be brave. I didn't actually have a choice. Tell me about the trip that the two of you made to Canberra a few weeks ago. Yes, it was actually so amazing to go to Canberra. I've never been to Canberra, so I was so excited. My kids have actually all been to Canberra because, you know, you send your kids on their school trips and I'm like, I've never been to Canberra. And um, I was so excited to um, go. So winning the Queensland Australian of the Year Local Hero Award was absolutely amazing. Um, Did not expect it and was so blown away when I was announced as the Queensland recipient. So then um, to be flown down to Canberra with Brianna to represent Queensland for the National Awards was so great. And I just felt like we'd come so far. I'm like, how do we, if you look back at our lives or you look back at pictures of where we've come from to where we are today, it's actually amazing. And how's she doing now? She's great. She's um, actually expecting her first baby. So I'm going to be, I say, a glamour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be a nana or a grandma, nothing against that. Um too young. (laughs) So she is expecting um, her first baby, her and her husband um, later this year. So she's doing really well. When you look
1: back at at the photos of you at 17, Mel, when you're Mm. holding Brianna as a baby, what would you like to say to that young woman?
0: I would probably tell her that it's going to be okay. I think there's so much uncertainty around having a child so young. And I would tell her that you haven't ruined your life. I would definitely tell myself that and if I could go back in time and say there's nothing wrong with you because you do take on that perception or that that feeling that I haven't quite met the mark. I've somehow stuffed up. And I would tell her no you haven't. You know, just because um you're pregnant, yes, your path looks very different to those around you, but you haven't ruined your life and you know, your life's not over and you can go on to pursue all your dreams and your goals just like any other mother, and you actually have the same, I guess, determination and drive as other mothers. You want to see your children succeed in life and you, and you want to provide a great future for them. So yeah, I would just go back and tell her it's all good. It's been really wonderful hearing your story. Thank
1: you so much for being my guest on Conversations. Thank you for having me. Melissa Redsell was my guest on Conversations today and Melissa was 2023 Queensland Australian of the Year Local Hero and we'll put a link on the Conversations website to A Brave Life. That's the charity that Mel set up to help young mums. I'm Sarah Konoski. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to a podcast of Conversations with Sarah Konoski. For more Conversations interviews, head to the website, abc.net.au slash conversations.
0: Discover more great ABC podcasts, live radio and
1: exclusives on the ABC Listen app.